blood family, like blood relatives, may not be who somebody else considers family. Support people how they need to be supported. I think a lot of us need to realize that support comes in different ways. Perhaps you can step out of yourself and see something from another person's point of view. This is Michelle Lamb from Leaning In and Speaking Out, a podcast hosted by Brandon University's CARES Research Centre. This podcast is part of a special series on social justice in education, conducted by students in Gustavo Mora's class called Schools as Complex Spaces. Jackie and I would like to extend our heartfelt thanks to Gustavo, his students, and their guests, who are having crucial conversations about what it means to educate within contexts like the climate crisis, racism, addictions, and more. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to our podcast episode. I'm Lexi Wilson, and co-hosting with me today is my partner, Cameron Baker. On our episode today, we'll be talking about homelessness, and along with us today, we've got our guest, Heather Bullock, to speak with us a little bit about the topic. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about what you do? Okay, sure. I'm Heather. I am the site supervisor at the Safe and Warm Shelter uh, here at Samaritan House. I've been with the shelter for about um, about three and a half years now. I started with the shelter when we were only open as a cold weather shelter. So that meant that we were only open from the beginning of November until the end of March. When COVID hit, we were we were able to stay open longer. There was a, there was definitely a need uh, to keep the shelter open longer. So we're now open uh, year round, and we've also opened up uh, what we call a drop-in center. So there's a drop-in time for folks to come to access the shelter, not obviously as a, as a sleeping time, but as an opportunity to uh, network and connect with other supports or just come in for a cup of coffee or something like that. So it's um, the shelter has evolved. And although COVID has not been a pleasant time for anybody, there was that silver lining with the ability to access that extra funding to allow us to be open longer. I think that's absolutely wonderful that um, things were able to adapt to COVID. Okay, so our first question for you was, why do you think there's so much debate and confusion surrounding homelessness? Well, so all your questions are really great. I had to think about them and I've scribbled all sorts of notes and my paper looks messy and stuff, but it is such a complex issue. There's no, there's no one um, answer. There's really not even one question around homelessness, you know, in terms of what causes it. There's issues around mental health. There's issues around trauma and there's issues around addictions. And I think the idea is that we can maybe um, solve it in a way that makes sense to folks that are housed. I think it comes down to what is a person's definition of being housed and, and what exactly is a person looking for in that housing continuum. So I think even just that question shows how much, how many different agencies need to be involved 
This isn't just a one stop, a one answer with a one stop to solving this issue. There's a lot of layers to this. And I, I don't mean to sound vague, but I think I think even just the fact that we call it, um, you know, a, a, an issue, a problem, something that needs to be solved is already part of the issue too. Yeah. Like I, I, I will, I will throw this out to both of you. You know, what is your definition of being housed? What, what does that mean to you, Lexi? I think that's a very tough question, honestly, because I mean, being housed could mean literally just having a roof over your head, just somewhere to stay. But I think it also means so much more to people who, you know, see the homeless people on the street where they think, well, they've got nowhere to stay, so they're not housed or anything like that. But they do have places to stay like the Samaritan House or other shelters. But I don't know. To me, I guess that just that having a place to th- place to stay doesn't really mean that you're housed. Right. Just means you've yeah. got somewhere to go. And that is part of that's part of the issue too. Like, you know, there could be people who are very precariously housed where perhaps the relationship that they have with their family member or with their landlord is tenuous and for different reasons maybe it's the relationship itself isn't isn't healthy or perhaps um you know the financial piece isn't in place or maybe there's trauma maybe there's you know that antisocial negative behavior that we might see as well that could quickly turn that person from from having a home to not having a home that's kind of the other issue as well then like at at what point are we calling somebody houseless or or homeless then if if you're not the leaseholder are are you homeless because you're couch surfing um right like it's it is a and I think when when we don't see the folks on the street, so to speak, we we don't think about what their home situation could be. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, when I when I ask about what your definition of housed means, Cameron. I don't know your story. I don't know how you grew up, mm-hmm. but um, say the assumption is that for 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 most of us, right? Like housing means bricks and mortar. Yes, with our family. Like, yeah, yeah. What about like what about people who you know they might not want to be living in a place by themselves? They they're looking for community too right and what yeah what does that look like like what does community mean to you Cameron community to me would be like being able to see all of my family and friends and having that support system with me and just feeling that love and support with all my decisions absolutely absolutely and when we look at some of 
the folks that come to the shelter, it may surprise you to know that some of our people do have an actual address, but they choose sometimes to come to the shelter because this is for some a community, that sense of community, sense of belonging, sense of being with people who they've shared experiences with, they they feel safe with as well. Sometimes living in that brick and mortar home that they may have isn't safe. And sometimes it's not safe because um, other people have access to that home. They're not feeling safe enough to stay there by themselves or they're lonely. I mean, I don't know what either, how any of like either of you um, live, like what your living situation is, but for some of our people, they live by themselves and, and that can be really lonely too. So that's a very long answer to your, which isn't really an answer to that question, but I think they're all points that lead us to say there is no easy answer to to the the situation around homelessness. It almost kind of reminds me of when people say money can't buy happiness because there's those people that have all the money in the world and they're so lonely that they don't feel like they have meaning to life or loved ones or anything. Like you said, that sense of community. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So our second question for you is, why do you think that despite the economic growth of cities and countries, there are more and more homeless people in different cities? I think because when we talked earlier about all the different reasons for homelessness, it isn't just economic, right? It is partly, definitely. I mean, we needed funding to stay open too. Like there is, the bottom line is there There needs to be money, no doubt about it. But that isn't the only, um, the only solution, right? So if you have an affluent, uh, affluent community, like an affluent city, you're not necessarily going to see the issue of people experiencing homelessness go away. And I guess part of that is too, like, we all have a different definition of what affordable housing looks like. And I don't know how realistic some of these numbers are around affordable housing. Right now in Brandon, people are using upwards of 70% or more, sometimes even 90% of their of some kind of a benefit, like if they're on EIA or something, towards their rent. Or some people can't even, with the benefits that they get, afford a place, period. Mm-hmm. It's very expensive. Um, Especially with COVID where so many jobs were, so many people lost their jobs because we weren't allowed to go into anywhere. Exactly. Yeah, it, absolutely. So that affordability is a huge, is a huge issue for sure. And then I guess too, it like, it just comes down to who wants what in their backyard, who who wants to see certain different types of housing. I think it comes down to that definition again of what is what is a person's definition of being housed. It isn't always bricks and mortar. Sometimes it is going to be people who are more comfortable living in a tent. Maybe right. it is a person who's more comfortable living um, 
outside down by the riverbank and wanting to be away from other people. What, what does it look like? You know, do we have enough low barrier housing opportunities for people? We, we talk about, um, you know, like we use the term slumlords and, and kind of turn our nose up a little bit at somebody who is willing to rent a place that isn't really nice out to people. But the reality is it is kind of important to still have people that are okay and tolerant with some of their properties being treated not as well as other places. So there has to be that tolerance for every single type of housing. The impression we often have is well, if we build these cute little apartments that are inexpensive for people to live in, then all should be well in everybody's world, including me, the taxpayer, because I all feel better at night. But the reality is that isn't necessarily what a person is looking for. So that goodwill that others truly have is more about their need to provide affordable, you know, housing, appropriate housing, but that isn't necessarily what the person on the other end is looking for. So if we want to set people up for success, it's important to be as client-centered as possible when discussing what housing options should be available to people. And again, like Cameron, when you talk about community and and having your family with you, you know, people have different types of family and blood family, like blood relatives may not be who somebody else considers family. And some folks have 15, 20 people around them that they want to stay with. So why can't we make those types of opportunities available for people too? And and support people however they need to be supported. Right. Not everybody is able to jump into a rental apartment or something and be completely successful off the bat. Like I kind of put this to both of you right now, like how independent are you right at this moment? Yeah. Like, do you still kind of need your parents or 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 another? Maybe not your parents, but somebody to kind of help you out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I really like how you say support people how they need to be supported. I think a lot of us need to realize that support comes in different ways. And sometimes the way that we would need support isn't the same as how someone else would. So we really need to support those people the way that they need to be supported. Yeah. I just really, I really liked how you said that. I think I think we forget that sometimes, right? I think we assume that everyone has a similar worldview or similar experiences to us. And when you start to realize that that's not the case, you can, you know, step out of yourself a little bit. That's that's those first steps of building that that empathy and understanding that perhaps you can step out of yourself and see something from another person's point of view. I think that does go a long way because it 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 takes away that judgment that mm-hmm. 
I'm telling you what you need. I'm not sure how either one of you grew up, but I'm assuming if your parents told you that this is what you're going to do because they thought that was the best thing for you. I'm yeah. not sure. Did you go with that or? <laughs> Didn't react very well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it kind of makes us feel like somehow we're not heard or we're not that our our choices or our our wants aren't being aren't being listened to then right when somebody else tells us yes what our life is supposed to look like right Mm -hmm. right um so after all this discussion what do you understand about being housed that other people should know about well truthfully i i think i think that we need to listen to each other. We need to hear, we need to hear what people are really asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what I need in order to feel safe and in my house, in my home, with my people. I know what I need. And I know that I wouldn't appreciate a judgment on what my choices are. I think I, I would have to say the same for another person. When people come to the shelter and they ask for support, whatever that support looks like, I feel like it's it's my role is to say, well, how can I help you find that support mm-hmm. and, you know, and carry on that way versus trying to tell a person, well, no, I think what you really should be doing is finding your own place and being whatever yeah it really really comes back to that support people how they need to be supported yeah Mm -hmm. so our third question um how do you feel when you hear people say that they don't feel sorry for people who are living on the street or when they say that they did it to themselves well luckily i don't hear that very often and i don't hang around with people that say that (laughs) I have heard it. I haven't heard it often, but I've heard it and I, it irritates me when I do. Well, and I think, I think when I, when I hear that, my first thought is I don't, I don't necessarily feel that I um, feel sorry for this person. Um, I feel, I kind of feel like pity can be very demeaning because there's judgment attached to that. We're, we're saying again, like, well, mm, you're not living the way I want to live. So right. your life must be crappy. Yeah. That, that piece, I, I don't feel, I don't feel that. I definitely feel empathy for another person who isn't living the way they want to be living. But there are some folks that are living the way they want to be living. They're just not living the way I would choose to. So I have to listen carefully to to a person or assume, not assume, that there is something to even be empathetic about. But having said that, though, I will say that when somebody makes a comment like that, then I tell them that if, if you have no empathy for a person who's struggling, then at least you should be grateful. Because obviously you've had an easy enough time in your life that you haven't needed somebody else to help you. So, and that gratitude, because that, that I find, that I find sometimes we, we take so many things for granted in our lives. One of them being um, 
healthy families and and strong, you know, strong housing opportunities that I think we have to take a step back and say if you've never been if you've never been in a situation where you've been so close to the edge or so precarious in your housing or your health or your your safety um your mental health right then please just be grateful mm-hmm. because truthfully many of the reasons why people are here in the shelter or living precariously or living on the street is from trauma mm-hmm. and that is a big part of where people ha- are coming from. So if you haven't had to deal with trauma, then consider yourself lucky. So take off the judgment hat and just experience a little bit of gratitude mm-hmm. and it might shut you up. <laughs> yep, agreed. Can I say I that? <laughs> yes, you can say that. That's okay. Um, no, I totally agree. I think that, yeah, we don't know how people are, if people are there because they want to be, or if it was because of a situation that happened. And um, I agree. I think we need to take off the judgment hat and we need to just be really grateful for our own situation. And that's yeah. how I feel when there's people asking for money on the streets and I hear someone say, oh, McDonald's is always hiring or something like that. It's like, you don't know what, like why they're on the street or their situation. I've had people tell me not to give money to those people because they're only going to use it for alcohol and, and drugs or something like that. Right. And it, assuming that it, like I said, it irritates me when I hear those kinds of things, because again, we have no idea their situation. And, you know, you, you both bring up such a good point around that. Because there is that, there is that, again, that judgment, right? Like, it's basically, it's your own fault that you're in this situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, yeah, you know, the idea that if you give somebody money and they use it for drugs, then then you're not helping them out. Mm -hmm. But that's where that judgment comes in again, right? Because truthfully, even if you give that person money and they choose to use it for drugs or alcohol, what difference like what difference does that really make because that might be what that person needs to survive Uh I have never seen a person go through detox I've never seen that process before but it's awful I've heard stories Mm -hmm. so again if you're talking about somebody who is dealing with trauma who is using something so there's an addiction because of some kind of trauma and maybe it wasn't brought on by trauma. It's just addiction, just by itself, which is already horrific enough. No judgment around what a person might need at that moment. So yeah. when you give, and, and this is that part again about saying like, when I give money, I want it to go to what I need it to go to. Mm-hmm. There's that judgment again, right? Yeah. Because yeah. now I'm determining where that charity or whatever whatever you want to call it, donation, whatever, should be going to, just like we're saying about housing. So I will only support low-income housing if it makes sure that people live this way because that's my judgment about how a person should be living. Your ideal living situation. Exactly. Based on my perception of what a, you know this should look like. 
versus what the person needs. Same with giving money. So you give somebody money, you, once you give it, you don't get to decide what's going to happen with that money again. Maybe it will go to, right. Maybe it will go to a sandwich and maybe it will go to, you know, the meth dealer down the street, but that could be keeping that person alive for the day too. I'm not trying to glamorize that, you know, taking drugs and drinking and having an addiction is, (laughs) is a good thing. I'm not saying that, but it's not up to us or an other person to judge where a person's at in their own journey. That's Mm -hmm. up for them. So give them money, let them do what they want. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So our fourth question is how do we develop empathy for people living on the street? And what does that look like? One thing that I have heard from people who have come to the shelter is, you know, they're, they're not always, they haven't always felt like they've been heard or seen. I, I feel like, you know, when you're on the street and somebody does ask you for money, say, what harm is it to look them in the eye and say, sorry, I don't have any right now, but I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging this person, this, this is still a human being. Yeah. We, we don't have to like what another human being is doing. Their behavior is their behavior. Mm-hmm. But the fundamental bottom line truth is this is still a human being. So mm-hmm. acknowledge that they're there. If if you choose, you know, you have to be safe too. And, and, and not everybody's safe on the street, right? So you got to be safe. But I, I just feel like understanding that every single person has a story and you don't know what that story is. And there should be no judgment for a person and their story and acknowledge that that human being is there and, and maybe take a closer look and, and, and maybe think for a moment or two, what is their story? Because like most of us, when we are younger and we might dabble in certain, you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever we do, most of us don't go for that hardcore stuff and say, Oh, you know, math looks like fun, right? It's awful. Mm-hmm. Most, and and I, I'm speaking from my very, very limited experience in talking to folks here at the shelter, most who have gotten into some of those hardcore drugs are trying to obliterate some kind of thought that they're thinking or feeling. Mm-hmm. I've had people say, I don't want to get sober because if I get sober, I have to feel. Now think right. about that. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel, and again, very limited experience here, but I feel like if first and foremost, we see that person as a person, right? When we talk about homelessness, there's a lot in the language too, right? When we talk about a human being, you know, when we just talk about the homeless, we lump people together, right? It takes away that individuality. It takes away from that person being a human being. But if we talk about people who are experiencing homelessness, mm-hmm. there's a different mindset right away too, right? So even our language and how we address other human beings 
is very important in how we process how this is a human being first, despite Mm -hmm. everything else, right? I think that's a big, I think that's a big part of it. Exactly. I agree. Is homelessness usually a result of mental health, as in trauma, like you said, or substance abuse, or are there other factors? Well, I think so. Mental health and trauma are two different things. And I I do think that the three of them, like sort of that trifecta of perfect storm, right, is the trauma, it's the mental health, it's addiction. Not, Not everybody who gets a diagnosis, who takes medication for whatever issue, is um, taking their medication or are um, getting what they need out of that medication. So, you know, sometimes it's being under medicated and sometimes that can happen because you're not very safe carrying around all those meds. So you might get jumped for some of them, right? Mm -hmm. So, or you might forget to take some of them or yeah, lots of reasons, or you have no access to them because you have no money you know, the, the mental health piece is, is huge in success for living, right? So if you're not able to manage your mental health, then are you, are you able to manage the responsibilities that come with being successfully housed? Mm -hmm. So there's that piece. And then trauma addiction you know for some folks the the addiction is so strong that that is the that's that's the focus of that person's day and and not trying to find resources to be housed you know when we talk about a definition of being housed for some folks the shelter is their housing strategy. Somebody's there to give them a bed at night. They're safe. You know, we, we, we feed people. It's nothing glamorous, but their lifestyle during the day is what it is that they can, they function well enough that coming to the shelter is, is, is what works for them. Mm-hmm. So there, there are other factors, no doubt, there's, you know, racism, there's, there's lots of gaps in programming. You know, we have some people who ask us to call certain agencies with them. And I have been on the phone, you know, we, we, we put the phone on speaker and work together to have this conversation. But I have grown men who have cried at the end of the conversation to say, Heather, they've never talked to me that kindly. It's only because you're on the phone with me. That's that's horrible. That's horrible. And if you try and try and try and try and you get nowhere, at what point do you say, forget it. This isn't worth it. When do you give up? Yeah. Right. And again, depending on what your life, depending on what is going on in your world, there are so many barriers for some people. You know, we have some people that age out of other of care 
who don't have, who weren't given the skills to be able to function. And I'm not saying any of this to, to, um, to say like to single any, anybody or, or any place out. It's, this is all part of that bigger issue around people experiencing homelessness. Right. There's, there's so many places that people have come from where perhaps those skills weren't learned. And, and in the beginning of this, I asked you both, like, how independent are you right now? I'm assuming you're both over the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Yep. But truthfully, how independent are you? Truthfully, yeah. not very. I mean, I've got my boyfriend who is, he's there for everything. And my mom is, of course, a huge support. I mean, I've got family all around who I think I, I look to for almost everything I need. You know, they, I do my own things, obviously. I make my own money and stuff, but I know that they're always there to support me if I'm ever down. And that's exactly the same with me. I want to say that I'm in independent but I wouldn't be able to live without my parents (laughs) and and probably not like and I'm just I'm I like I don't know your stories at all but you know could you living on your going to school right like you have the opportunity to be in school which is beautiful it's great you know could you completely and totally be on your own how many times do you reach out to to your your family people your your healthy family how many times do you reach out to them and you say I tried to call you know the registrar I can't figure out how this tuition thing works I'm I'm my instructor I need to talk to my instructor about something but I'm not quite sure how to talk to them about something how many times do you reach out to your parents or say, oh, I lost my birth certificate, my social insurance number, my driver's license and everything. I don't even know how do I get all that back? Cause that costs money. Yeah. Right. How do I get all that back? And more than, I don't know, I'm just assuming, is there somebody out there who might say to you, okay, well, let me help you with that. Yeah. Cause for our guys, there's, there isn't that place there there isn't that support for basic things like people don't even have their id they don't have photo id so do you know how hard it is to do anything without photo Mm -hmm. id especially recently the last however long that the vaccine cards were were there you couldn't get into anywhere without showing both your vaccine card and your id yeah well you could get into grocery stores and stuff like that but i Imagine if you couldn't. But for some folks, like even having a bank account, you mm-hmm. know, you can't even get a bank account if you don't have some kind of form, some form of photo ID. Yeah. So, you know, even things like that. So simple, what what you can take for granted that you can keep safe in your home is is not safe for people who who are untethered to some kind of place where they can leave their things, right? So for most people, it's a backpack and 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 they keep their stuff with them. And if you if they lose that and trying to replace those things, that costs money, which yeah. most of our people don't have, right? Because that's expensive stuff. Plus, you got to fill in those forms. Have you ever filled in a form for a social insurance number or 
your birth certificate or like any of that photo ID? Did you have somebody with you when you were filling out that paperwork? I did. Yes, I did too. So yeah, it's, it's things like that, that it all leads to folks saying, this is hard. It's hard. And, and finding a way through those, through those gaps, right? Which is then more and more, we're starting to see where those gaps are and trying to fill them. Even just saying to a person, you know, if you have an appointment at a certain time, reminding them that they have an appointment at a certain time. We have a whole wall in the office of the shelter where different places will call to say, can you let so-and-so know and remind them that they have an appointment? Some people might think, hey, an adult shouldn't need to be reminded. But sure, except I write it in my book or I put it in my phone or, you know, I get a I get a reminder text or something if I have appointments. So yes. how is yeah. that any different? Right? Exactly. I I have the most forgetful mind ever. I have to write everything down or make lists of what I need to do to make sure that I hit every task that needs to be done and or I'll get someone to text me or remind me. So the difference is not that big or it's not there at all. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's nice to have the shelter as that point of contact. Mm -hmm. So we there's other places too. Seven Street Health Access is another place where people can leave messages for other people. And sometimes people are looking for people and, and you know, obviously we don't share who is staying here, but mm-hmm. if somebody wants to leave information for a person, we can certainly say, you know, well, we don't confirm or deny whether they're here, but we'll certainly leave a message for them. It's communication. Lots of our folks don't have a cell phone. Again, some of the costs are prohibitive. Mm-hmm. But communication's huge. Probably one of the biggest questions I get from people uh, during the drop-in will be, Heather, can I borrow your phone? I mean, we have a phone at the office, obviously, but it's sitting in the office. You know, mm-hmm. when you're sitting out with everybody having coffee, you just want to be trying to reach your your sister or trying to reach a support worker for something. Or you, we had somebody who was trying to make an appointment to get their um, eyes checked. Like, Right. You gotta you gotta be on call for some or on hold for some of those calls forever and ever, right? So yeah. people don't always have access to a phone to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So simple, simple things like just look in your in your purse or look around your room and look at all the things that you may, which we all do, like take for granted and say, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like not to get graphic or anything, but like feminine hygiene issues, you know, sending somebody out at 830 in the morning when it's minus 40, when they're going through that, when all you really want to do is curl up in bed or have a hot bath or something, you know, these issues, these issues are real for people too. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. wasn't really part of your question, but I just want to throw that in there. No, <laughs> that's okay. I absolutely love the Samaritan House. I had to do, um, I think, a week 
in 2019 where I had to work there for my practicum with healthcare aid. And it was mostly the food bank that we were, I was working with, but I, I just thought it was a great experience to see all the faces coming in and, and, um, you know, setting up the bags of the feminine hygiene products. Like it was just, I don't know, it really opened my eyes, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just before we wrap everything up, do you have any other questions for us? Um, well, I actually would like to invite the two of you, and this obviously isn't part of the podcast then, but I'd, I'd welcome you both to come down um, and, and check out the shelter um, and, and see it firsthand. Just so to help you to help you in your career path too, I think the more the more we can teach everybody, Mm-hmm. the more that can be shared down the road, that empathy, that, that client-centered, that, that idea that a healthy society shores up our most vulnerable. That's our job as society. If you can see where people sleep at night, if you can see where how they come in in the evening, like how we put people's belongings into a bin and keep them safe for them for the night. There's no judgment here. We're a damp shelter, which means people can be under the influence when they come to the shelter. They can't use in the shelter, but um, they can bring what they need to bring here and then have it for themselves in the morning again, if need be. There's no judgment. We meet people where they're at. We we want this to be a safe place for everybody. And, and the idea that when you come in through the doors, you're treated with respect and kindness, as every human being should be. And we'll give you what we can. Samaritan House is the, um, is the place where the community will drop off what is needed to help are most vulnerable. So this is a community effort. Right. Um, we're just lucky, the ones that work at Samaritan House, that we actually are able to pass along that to people who are asking for it at the moment, which is a very brave thing to do, like to ask for to ask for help. So to do that in a way where people still feel dignity and respect. But I, I, I welcome you both to come down if you'd like to at some point. I think in the long run, in the lives that you will touch as educators, you will, you'll be able to pass along these messages. And I think in answer to one of your questions about how do we develop empathy, I think it's through podcasts like this. I think it's through projects like this. And I think it's through uh, people who want to impart that feeling to others and teach others about that, that we create that world that we need to, that we can say, yeah, I've seen this. And, um, and it's time for us to be kind, just to be kind to each other. So anytime you want to let me know, and we'll set it up. Well, I would love to, I'll have to go for a shift with my mom or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you 
very much for joining us today. And thank you for everyone who tunes into this podcast as well. I really appreciate you for answering all of our questions. Yes, thank you for um, taking time out of your day uh, yeah, to come hang out with us for a little while. And I feel like I've learned a lot. So thank yes, you so much. Yes. Thank you both and best of luck. You've been listening to Leaning In and Speaking Out, a Research Connection podcast from Brandon University. For more episodes or to learn more about the BU Cares Research Centre, please visit our website at bucares.ca or you can come find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts.